And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Dr. Mary Helen Hensley. Dr. Mary Helen is coming up on her 30th rebirthday, and today we're going to talk about it. Dr. Mary Helen, thanks for joining us and welcome. Jeff, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is actually very exciting because um, in two weeks, I am celebrating, as you said, my 30th rebirthday, which is very cool because I'm actually 52, but I get to pretend like I'm 30. And uh, as a, as a near deather, what that actually means is in December of 1991. So actually December 14th, 1991 was when I experienced my near death um, uh, accident in a, in a a car crash in Charleston, South Carolina, in which I broke my neck and died and um, had all the um, all the near death experience with all the trimmings. And so, yeah, so I'm going to talk to you about that today, if that's all right. All right. But before you start, do you actually celebrate it? Do you get a cake with candles and champagne? You better believe it. All right. Absolutely. That sounds Absolutely. like a lot of fun. Usually I celebrate it. Um, like I'll start reading stories um, from one of my books, um, kind of like, you know, the 12 days of Christmas, <laughs> the 14 days of death. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll read stories leading up from, you know, I'll do a Facebook live or something for um, my followers there. And, you know, just to, to pay tribute to that and to remind people um, that we already are that which we seek and, and to enjoy this experience and to, you know, let themselves off the hook and mm-hmm. all the good things that you come back, back with after you've been dead. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited because this one is a big one. This is the big three O and, <laughs> and what's very exciting, um, uh, for anybody who's into astrology in any way, shape or form, uh, you know, we have our first Saturn return when we're kind of in that 29 to 31 years old. And then we have our second Saturn return when we're kind of 58 and all. So I'm having my second first Saturn return. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine I am just all up in the chaos right now. And um, celebrating every bit of it. You know, that's interesting. I never thought about having a second astrological sign. I know. Yeah. I'm now a, I'm, I'm a Pisces slash Sag. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I know. It's really funny. And because um, one of my closest friends sent me a text the other day. And she goes, are you, I'm listening to something and it's talking about Saturn return. And she goes, are you sure you're not 58? Have you been lying to me all this time? Mm -hmm. And I went, excuse me. But if you go back and you look at the dates, I'm actually in what would technically be a Saturn return, but for the second time in in the one life, Um, which I think is really fun because, you know, that's all about transformation and chaos and letting go of old patterns. And, um, you know, indeed, I can own every bit of that for a second time around. Well, let me ask you one last question before we move on. Do you actually yeah. read the, when you read the paper or you read, you know, horoscopes, do you read both? No. Oh, like I, I, Sagittarius I rarely... and then maybe read the Pisces and see which one you <laughs> want to fit in with. I really don't ever read them. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing my thing. So uh, yeah, no, I don't, it, that would be like as if I had t- a chance to read the paper. Um, No. So, uh, but it's funny because I can identify with qualities of both for sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, December 14th, 1991, I had just graduated from college in South Carolina and, uh, you know, you're, I think you're a Southerner, so you understand, um, 
when you're dating the same person that you were dating in college, your mom's like picking out your China patterns and you're getting ready to march down that aisle. <laughs> um, I ended up moving. I was, I'm from Virginia and ended up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, because that's where my college sweetheart was from. And, uh, you know, just having graduated, I had double degrees in communications and graphic design and my big fat diploma. And I was mopping sign or mopping floors in a sign company. Um, cause that was the only job I could get. Mm. And so it was our Christmas party and I was driving to the party, um, on that afternoon of December 14th, it was hot. It was Charleston. Um, I'd say Texas would be kind of the same. You know, I was wearing Bermuda, Bermuda shorts and a Santa Claus t-shirt and a big mm. jingle bell. <laughs> yeah. And so I had gotten just less than two miles away from my apartment and I was at a major intersection. So highway 17, um, that runs through Charleston. Um, it's a, you know, it's a major, you know, lanes, this many lanes, this way, many lanes this way. And I was coming from a side road and I was sitting at the traffic light there and, you know, little did I know at that stage that everything was getting ready to change. And so as I sat at the light, just minding my own business, um, the light finally turned green. And so I had to make my way across several lanes of traffic in order to make my left-hand turn to go towards town. And so I'd made it across the first couple of lanes. And next thing I turned and looked and I could see a car just barreling towards me. And it was in that moment that time literally stood still. It sounds so cliche, but that is exactly what happened everything ground to a halt and freezes. And you suddenly realize, Oh, I'm getting ready to die. Hmm. And it was so familiar and it was so routine. Like, Oh, you've done this before. You know, it was just really, it wasn't a big deal. There was no shock, no panic, no horror and everything is stopped. And all of a sudden what was really bizarre is I realized, Oh, I'm in control of how this plays out. So I realized that I have a choice. I could stay in the body experience the impact of the, of the vehicle and then go, or I could come out of my body before I'm struck and then go. And so with that kind of feeling of, Oh my gosh, I've done this so many times. I don't think I need to get hit and feel that, you know, that's going to hurt because he's going fast. Sure. And so I make that decision. And next thing I know, there's a sound And this sound is literally the foundation of why I do all my work in frequency and healing Um, because it was a drone, a low drone. And I recognized that sound was literally what attached me, the real me, to this body and to this earth plane. And so as that sound is kind of like a wah, wah, you know, I live in Ireland. I, I love pub music. You know, I play the bower on the round drum, you know. My favorite trad session instrument is the Ilian pipes, which are like the elbow bagpipes. And so the bagpipes make a drone when the, when the air is filling the bag and it's mm-hmm. like this amazing why, and you know, this really good session is coming. And I love that sound. And so this is what it was like. And so there's this vibration, this sound. And next thing, whoop, I'm out of the body. And as soon as I'm up and I'm looking down, everything speeds back up just like that. And so I now am witnessing my own death. This was what was so cool about the whole thing. It's not like, oh gosh, I woke up and I'd been dead and had us all the light. And I came out in order to witness my own death, which was so cool. It was such a different perspective. And so as I'm looking down, 
I see the car speed up and there's an 81 year old man who's driving. He had almost taken a couple out. He, he very seriously injured a couple earlier in the summer. He should have had his license taken off, but obviously he, had, he still had one last hurrah, hmm. which was to help me with this experience. And so, um, he blew through, through that red, like 175 miles an hour and he T-boned me. And so when he hit my car and my car folded in half, I, the real me is watching this body. The head goes through the window. My neck breaks, the seat folds up under me, the glass blows out and the car is spinning around the intersection. And I cared about it about as much as this bottle of water right here. Mm -hmm. And it was so amazing because you're watching as an observer now of the experience. Um, and I kind of liken that, you know, I've, I've, I've written 10 books and it's like writing books about your own story is like taking yourself out of the trauma of your story and actually watching as an observer and really being able to celebrate. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Wow. That was so hard, but you did it. And it really is a unique perspective when you're writing about the things that have happened to you, because you get to, to witness yourself as that observer. So dying is kind of the same way. All of a sudden you're out and you're looking down and you're going, oh yeah, that body's not me. Oh my gosh. I was always looking in the mirror to see if my butt was too big. And you know, I'm like, that's not even me. Mm. And you have that instant remembering and you're in that space and you still know who you are. You're still aware of everything that's ever happened to you. Now you're just very calmly and very quietly observing. And so I was so grateful that I got to have the experience that way. Because, I mean, listen, I've been on this circuit for a long time. So I've literally heard every NDE story out there. And I feel I feel very, um, very blessed. And it's very unique kind of to have witnessed it this way. And, you know, that's because I needed that. It's not because I'm so wonderful or fabulous or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so evolved and magical that way. It's because there was something in the actual death process that I still needed. And this is why I tell people, you know, even up to the very last breath, everything that you're doing counts and you're doing it for yourself and for your own growth and you for, for your own progression. And so I, as a preacher's daughter from the South, you know, I was literally a preacher's kid and, and had grown up with a, a very, um, rigid set of, of my parents' belief systems that never, never really gelled with me. And so in one split second, everything that I kind of thought to be true became true for me. And it was a, a most wonderful validation of just following my gut, my heart and being who I am. And that kind of instant shattering of going, Oh, the boxes are there in order to help us find ourselves. And so we have this really bad habit of judging the box. So I'm in the box or I'm out of the box. And we always make being out of the box, like we're so much more evolved or that we're the boxes are there for a reason. You know, that's the beauty of the earth experience. I love a box, you know, but I became, I, I became suddenly aware in that moment that I wasn't that box, nor was I that body. And it was just incredible. So, um, I'm there hovering and watching this thing unfold. And so as you can imagine, the cars finally come to a stop. There's glass everywhere. I'm, you know, I'm trapped. I look like a little puppet trapped to the seat. And, um, you know, I'm, and there she was dead. Mm -hmm. And so I get to watch everybody else grind to a halt because now they're witness as well. 
but they're still in the body. So they are witnessing through those five senses and through the emotional body Mm -hmm. that is unique to being human and to observe them in terror over what's happened to me when I'm not experiencing or feeling the terror. It was so wild. And so as luck would have it, a girl that I went to college with, and I didn't go to college in that town. And Charleston at the time was about 350,000 people. She happened to be a couple of cars behind me. And I don't even know why she was there. She was from Charleston, but why she happened to be at that same stoplight at that same time changed her life as well, because I got to watch her recognize me. Mm. And that was wild. So I got to experience someone that I had known there and feel the emotional state that she was now in when she suddenly recognizes, oh my gosh, I know that car. Oh my gosh, I know that girl. And it was incredible. So you're, you're, you're suddenly having all these perspective changes simultaneously. And this is really important because I'm getting ready to move then into a realm where my understanding of time and space is about to completely change. So um, I watched her come up to the car. I watched a woman who was a witness to the accident come up and put her name and phone number. So imagine you've got like a dead person in the car. I always Mm -hmm. thought this is so wild. I'm dead. I'm in the car and all the windows are blown out. And she comes up and puts her name and phone number on the passenger side seat and then runs away. And I'm watching this. And I was like, even there, I'm going, okay, that's interesting. And then I see a uniform and the uniform comes in and reaches across and turns the engine of the car off so that it doesn't explode. And then all of a sudden there's a new noise. So that low bagpipe drone sound is now, I've always called it the music of the spheres. You know, it's, it was a, a symphony, a celestial symphony because I have never, and I'm totally into frequency and music and vibration and all nothing close. Not, there is nothing here that could replicate that sound. And God knows I've tried. Um, it was incredible. I became that sound. So this is that transformation where you're kind of blowing out of 3d past 40 and into 5d. And so that sound is what makes that happen. It's that, that raising of the vibration. It's that the molecules are moving faster at that stage. Um, but you're still completely cohesive and coherent as a being, you know, who you've been, you, and then, you know, Oh, I know who I've been way before this person. And all of a sudden the kid from the South, who's a preacher's daughter is realizing, Oh gosh, we've lived before. Oh yeah. (laughs) This wouldn't even have been a concept in my world. I wouldn't even have known the word reincarnation at that stage of my life. So it was, um, it was really, really fascinating to watch myself go through this space. And so a lot of my fellow, um, NDE, um, folks would talk about the tunnel of light at that space. And I think that's what happened. So mine was more a, 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 a tunnel of sound. It was a, a vibration, a, a transformation from being in a lower vibe where I could still be present in the earth realm and then moving out of that space and landing in another. So that's how it happened for me. And I think that's why it's so much fun to hear different people's stories and different people's experiences, because, you know, no two are alike. There's a lot of similarities, but everybody based on whatever it is they needed to do or needed to understand 
Um, because remember, there's one thing we all have in common. All of us came back to tell the tale. So we only went so far. And, you know, I think it's really important to know how, because some people have very scary experiences and some people have, you know, the most incredible. But one thing um, that's the same with all of us is we're all changed when we come back. And I have friends that, that have been through the experiences who've gone into very deep, dark depressions. For me, I was like, oh, my God, give me a rooftop. I need to shout and tell everybody it's OK. We're OK. Take a breath. You set this up. Everything's going to be fine. Stop worrying about the freaking water bill. Do you know, like that's that was me where my friend Peter, who I speak with all the time, he went into a dark depression. He was absolutely horrified that he chose to come back. And then he worked through a process that has become his life's work where he helps other people through the depression process because he talks about how he got himself out of that and into the light. And so, um, you know, everybody has a different experience for a reason. So when I land in that space, when I've gone through that transformation and into that sound, this was so cool because the atmosphere, wherever I was in that in-between space was palpable. I could actually, I was part of it. It's the best way I can describe it. I was in it, but not of it. Um, and as I was moving around and adjusting, I'm just by, by the second, I'm becoming more comfortable and realizing, oh yeah, this is my natural state. Oh, I remember this. There's no pain. Remember, I'm just I'm literally, I'm freshly dead. You know, my neck is broken. I, I can't feel any of that, nor do I pine away for that. And this is where I've, I've said this a million times, but I'm saying a million and one because this is so, so important. In that moment, when I realized that I am now separated from that life I've just left, from that body that had just carried me 21 years through, I liken that to a hot summer day and you walk in the back door and you've been out in the garden or you've been mowing or doing the flowers or whatever, and you're nasty and hot and sweaty. And you peel the clothes off and you leave them by the washing machine and you go get in the best shower ever. Mm -hmm. The last thing you're thinking about is the dirty clothes next to the washing machine. And that's the best way I can describe the feeling. You know, you literally think about the body the same way you would the pair of jeans. I'm not pining away while I'm in my fabulous shower for the pair of jeans. And the body is the same way. I'm grateful. Thanks a lot for what you did. But, you know, oh, I liked that body. That was fun. It was like, oh, I liked my 1969 Monza that I used to drive in high school. Um, but I don't sit here pining for it. It was just a vehicle. And so this is very much so what that felt like. And so, um, you know, you're in that moment and I'm just absorbing everything that's around me. But I'm also having a lot of, aha, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Yeah. And this was, it was like, I was becoming super smart, mm -hmm. you know, I was remembering everything that my original state remembers and realizing how much I had had to dumb myself down for the experience of being human. And it's a unique and wonderful experience. And I don't mean to, you know, to, to belittle or make it smaller than what it is. It's just that it is such a great challenge because you're literally leaving this divine, omnipotent, eternal presence that you are and stuffing yourself into this little meat suit and giving yourself five senses as a consolation prize and getting the amnesia that doesn't allow you to remember. You might have fleeting glimpses or little moments of, ah, 
but you never get to stay in that state while you're here because then what's the point of being here? And so you're kind of back in that space and going, oh my God, yes. You know, and people will ask then. At, at that point, did you not go, well, what in the world is it all for? Why would you do that? Why would you leave that perfect space and come here? And the best way to describe that is, you know, all of us have just gone through a, you know, a horrific last couple of years of, of loss of mobility and freedom and movement and, you know, being able to go do things. And so a lot of people have been sitting at home watching a lot of Netflix. And so they might have upgraded those surround sounds and, and maybe got that big 72 inch, you know, screen TV and they can pause that channel and go to the bathroom when they want and they can get stuff out of the fridge. And it's a great experience and they're at home and they're in their jammies and the shoes are off and it's great. Now, imagine you've been locked up for two years and everything opens back up and your best friend calls, oh my God, the new James Bond movie is fabulous. Let's go. And you're like, Okay. And you get dressed and you're in that anticipation of getting ready to go into the theater. And then you walk in and the first thing that hits you is the smell of the popcorn and the sweets. And there's people chatting. You've like been by yourself for the last two years and you walk in there and you go into the cinema and boom, now you're in the movie and it's on this giant screen and your bestie is sitting next to you and people are laughing out loud and they're crying or they're like tense and you can feel the electricity in the air. Which one of the two experiences is better? Well, of course, the movie theater. Maybe it is, but maybe for the introvert, it's the at-home experience, right? Right. They're just two different experiences. So when someone says, why would you arrive in that space and then go, oh my God, yeah, this is who we are and what we're, why would you have come to earth? Because there are those who enjoy the experience and and recognize the growth that confining ourselves into something that is quite limited when we're unlimited is a great opportunity to fine-tune skills, to grow, to evolve. And that's why we come here. So I just wanted to throw that in because it's a question I get asked all of the time. Why would we do this to ourselves? You know, if it's so miserable here, because some of us don't see it that way, you know, what some people see as suffering, other people see as experience. And so it's just all about how you approach it, which is why I'm telling everybody, guys, enjoy the experience. Stop getting caught in the suffering, you know, enjoy what you, what you chose for yourself because you chose it. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. So there I am in that space, realizing all this stuff. And all of a sudden that atmosphere starts taking shape in front of me. And I'm like, okay, this is fun. And two beings literally form in front of me. Like you couldn't, Hollywood couldn't touch it. They are forming out of the the literal air, the atmosphere there. And they just sit there and I'm looking and I'm like, I know, I know you. And they wait very patiently. And I'm like, I know, I know you, but I can't think of who they are. I really couldn't. I was I don't know if I was, you know, overwhelmed or what was going on. And they waited and they waited until all of a sudden that light bulb clicked. And I was like, oh my God, <gasps> these are my guardians. We have guardians, guys. We have guardians, all of us. There's not one of you out there watching this who is alone. You might feel alone. You might feel at the bottom of the barrel. You might feel like you've been completely abandoned. You are never, ever, ever, ever alone. And just remember that, you know, because you might hit a dark space sometime. You might need to know that 
they're there for you. They are, they are there. And they're watching everything that you do, everything that you've evolved through, everything that you've learned. And they're there whispering in your ear, giving you that nudge. And um, it's like your hotline to the heavens. Do you know, every one of us has guardians. And the interesting thing about guardians is that they chop and change. It's not, you know, I, those two came forward and I knew they'd always been with me, but there are others. And so at different periods of time in your life. So, you know, um, when I went through the experience of being as a 17 year old, the guardians that would have shown up and given me the support and strength to know that that happened to my body, but not me. And I moved through it and I've become a great teacher to those who have gone through similar experiences and who could have gone this way and become victims of that or this way and become experiencers of something that made them who they are today. The guardian that was there for that is probably not the same guardian that was there when my dog died when I was 12. Mm. The grief associated with that and the unfolding and discovering of my own inner strength, two different jobs. And so it's really interesting to know that as we go through different things in our life, different beings will come and step forward. They're like experts in certain areas or certain sets of vibrations that are there to support us. So that was really cool. Mm. So these, these had been with me since the dawn of time. They came in the appearance of very elderly men. I loved since the time I was a child, I've loved old people always. Like my parents thought it was really weird. I wanted to go to the nursing home and hang out with old people instead of playing with my friends. So I was that kid. Um, deep, deep and utter respect and reverence for elderly. And so, of course, my guides would come in the guise of elderly. And so... We went straight from that space into what was like an IMAX cinema, a 360 degree experience where I went through a life review. And again, another cliche thing. And it's so hard for those of us who have been in that kind of experience. It's like we don't have any other words to use. And it's like yawn, yawn. Okay. Um, But it really was like being in a 360 room. And this is where my perception of time imploded because I am here. I'm surrounded by the just absolute love and grace and unconditionality of these beings, my cheerleaders who were there with me. And, you know, all I needed was the box of popcorn to watch my life unfold in front of me. And guess what happened? It wasn't chronological on the 360 screen. I'm four years old getting lost in Virginia beach and having my first past life recollection in this, in that lifetime. I am 20 years old cheerleading at a basketball game in my college. I am 12 years old and Otto von Bismarck, the third is dying my dog. And I am 17 years old and I'm going through that experience in college and I'm, you know, on and on and on it went. And so I am sitting here going, wait a minute, this is concurrent. This is simultaneous. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. This is simultaneous. And you can't come back into the world that we're living in now and ever be the same again when you have experienced experienced the simultaneous nature of what it means to be alive. Because now you understand how the different timelines work, how the multidimensional aspect of who we are, how time travel works. You get it because, yeah, are there chronological timelines? Sure, there are. But all so there are simultaneously 360 timelines where everything's happening at once. And all of a sudden it makes sense how we 
as fractals of the same whole. And in this one little tiny earth experience where there are eight point what billion of us um, who are fractals of the same energy are all over this globe experiencing all things at once. So it really is true. I am you and you are me. And I am seeing the world through your eyes right now. And as we share this interaction here, you're getting a chance to relive and be with me as I with you are watching you experience me. And it just all suddenly makes sense. And it's incredible. And it's really, really hard to get upset about stuff. (laughs) That's the one thing that near death did to me is like, you know, I'm a parent and I want to get mad at my kids and I really can't, you know, um, And so I have to pretend a lot (laughs) in order to give them that experience and to be able to give them the appropriate feedback. Um, But they know it's a joke. Mm. So, um, yeah. So that was that that was kind of the big reveal. Did you just pop back into your body or did they tell you, okay, you've got to go back now? Yeah. So they didn't tell me anything. I decided in that moment and it was I was ready to go. And I knew I'm like. I can go back in that same body, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm doing that. And they said, okay, if you choose to do that, we're going to be there with you, but we're going to give you a little upgrade. I'm like, okay. Not thinking in that moment, how badly it's going to hurt to have a broken neck and to be told you can't have kids and to have all the bits. And, you know, I was a mess. And so I'm like, yeah, go team. Yeah, let's do it. Send me back. Put me back in coach. Um, you know, so I didn't realize that promise they were making, how important that was, um, because boy, did I need the upgrade. So they raised the bar and they basically said, you know, you've made it to 21 and you do realize that I realized in that moment that the reason the whole accident took place is I'd come in to this world with extraordinary gifts that I had never used properly. Um, the title of my first book is called Promised Um, they changed it to promised by heaven. It was called promised initially. And the reason it was called that was my parents were in their forties when they had me. And so I was a surprise. Mm -hmm. And um, when they went to the doctor, um, the doctor sat them both down and said, unfortunately you have the German measles, Helen. And so you're in your first trimester. So I need you guys to understand that this baby's not going to be okay. And you need to just go ahead and accept that. And Um, You got a long road ahead of you. And of course, my parents were devastated and, um, you know, they were given a very, very poor prognosis, which in that day, that was a very, very poor prognosis. Um, So not long after my father, remember the Southern Baptist minister has what he called a celestial visit. And it was always such an interesting choice of words because, you know, you you totally expect him to be like, oh, angels appeared, Mm -hmm. you know, the angels of the Lord. And no, these were celestial beings with no wings, right? So I'm like, hello, Um, you know, extraterrestrial, interdimensional traveling beings, whatever you are. And so they came in and told my father So he'd never had any kind of experience like this whatsoever. So you can imagine that blew his socks off, right? So they're like, not only is this baby going to be okay, but she is going to come in a little different. So this is 1968. There's, you know, there's no ultrasound. Like they've now announced to him that I'm a girl and that I'm going to be weird. (laughs) Mm. So, So when I was a little kid, anytime anything happened, my dad would pick me up, brush me off. And he'd always remember you're promised. You were promised. 
And that's how that kind of came to pass. And so my folks were like hanging around, waiting to see what's going on, you know. And then I had at the age of four, the big reveal, which was my parents sat me down for the kitchen table talk, I call it, where dad called me in and he sat in that big booming voice. And he said, sugar, do you know the difference between alive and dead? <laughs> I'm four. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, like, is, is there a wrong answer to this? What, you know? Uh, I guess so, because now they were freaked out because I talked incessantly and nonstop about my very best friend in the world, who was my grandfather, Dr. Garland Clark, and we called him Judge. And this was my mom's dad. And Judge did this and Judge did that. And Judge told me this. And Judge took me here. And I, well, I got the talk finally. And my dad has to reveal that Judge had been dead since I was one. Mm. So now it's starting to get fun. And now my dad is realizing, oh, this is what they were talking about, you know? And so like, I'm coming in, I'm toddling in going, Mr. Jones is going to die next Wednesday. And my dad's like, okay, and he would, you know? So um, it was quite an interesting childhood. And so I had these amazing gifts and these, I could see things before they would happen and I dream things. Well, then you go through the awkward teenage years and, you know, my parents are trying to protect me. So we don't talk about these things outside of the circle which didn't include my siblings even even. So you can imagine how difficult that was because it looked like a big fat liar um, because my parents wanted to keep this very confined and contained um, and little did they know I'd go global. And um, you know, you can't, you can't hold that kind of stuff in for too long. So by the time I got through my teenage years and into college, literally all I would do was I would know the score of the basketball game mm. before it would happen. Or friend, a friend of mine would lose something and I'd dream it and I could tell them where it was. And this was me helping humanity. That was it. So the car accident had been put in place that if I had reached adulthood, the age of 21, if I had reached adulthood and I was not using those gifts in stewardship, that I was giving myself my own swift kick up the butt in order to change path. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, I made that decision to go back in and, you know, there I went in breakneck speed and literally woke up with a broken neck on the pavement. And I even tried, I can remember this so well. And it's so crazy when you think about it, like I'm smashed and like they've had to do the jaws of life and you know, I'm dead. And next thing I stand up, can you even imagine what those people must've been going through? (laughs) And I, but I collapsed of course, straight back down and then I'm unconscious. And it was so weird in that moment. It was like, I, I needed them to know I'm not dead. Mm. And so it took everything I had in me to pull myself up and then boom, I was gone. And then I remember waking up one time in the ambulance and this lady is in there. She's stroking my hair. It's okay. You're going to be okay, honey. You're okay. And I'm going, I've already been dead. I'm not dying. You know. Mm. And um, thus began a very fantastic journey. What was the conversation like with your minister father when you told him about the NDE? Was he accepting of that? Well, when you're someone like me, you learn to withhold a lot of information because I knew I knew what my dad's belief system was and I knew what was important to him. And I also knew, you know, I would watch his face when you know, I would help him write a eulogy by actually talking to the dead person while he was writing it. Um, That's not that easy to digest when you're 
in this box. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would, I believe it or not, I actually told my mother more because judge was her father Mm -hmm. and judge was a great medical doctor, but he also was a healer and nobody found out until my grandmother died at the age of 90 something. And she revealed to me on her deathbed, literally, um, I was trying to, I was there to help extend her life a little bit, not to cheat time. She was in the middle of just trying to finish her memoirs and really wanted to finish. And so I asked if it was okay. I never intervene if I'm not allowed, you know? And so I'm like, can I just help her breathe a little easier so she can finish this stuff? And I was allowed. So I drove to Florida to go and and have this chat. So I've got to explain to grandmother why I'm there. Yeah. So that was a fun conversation that I was just angst ridden about. So, uh, hi, grandmother, just letting you know, um, I've been dead and, um, you know, like, what was I going to say? So I did, I sat down and for an hour I spilled and she's sitting there with a little oxygen things in and nodding, nodding. And when I finally finish and take a breath, cause you know, I'm a little chatty. She pulls the things out of her nose and she goes, so that's where it went. I'm like, what? So grandmother proceeds to tell me all of this stuff about my grandfather, that it was like somebody letting the cat out of the bag for the first time in 75 years. You know, she was in her nineties at that stage. And she's telling me that when judge was on a break from medical school and they snuck away to get married and they couldn't afford a, um, cause this was back in the, in the twenties when, if you were a, a female school teacher, as soon as you got married, you could no longer teach. Mm. So they hid it. She didn't wear a wedding ring, you know, cause she needed to work. And so they went on a camping trip for a weekend and he snuck out, you know, came, came out of medical school and off they went and they were in the middle of the woods And they were walking and next thing she heard a branch break and then she was on the ground and it wasn't a branch. She'd broken her ankle and she's laying there and she said she would never, ever, ever forget the look in his eyes because he stood there absolutely torn. If I do this now, nothing's ever going to be the same. And now she knows. So he did. And he got down on his hands and knees. And she said he put her his hands around her ankle and this searing heat went through and she could actually feel the, the bone knit together underneath his hands. He stands up, he looks at her, puts his hand up and they walk away. And she never, ever uttered another word about it because she knew by the look, don't ever, don't breathe a word of this, right? So when he died, all these crazy stories that were like coming out of the woodwork about things that he had done and kind of these bizarre, you know, that would blow any, anybody who's into the paranormal would love, you know, these stories. But so she's telling me these things on her deathbed and I'm finally realizing, oh my God, she goes, this is his legacy, you know? So not only does he come to you, but you know, you have, you have received what he had. And it took for me a near death experience to access that, you know, I was, partying my butt off in college and having a great time and doing my thing. And I was allowed. But then at 21, they were like, that's it. You agreed to come here to do this. And I did. So when that came back and I came back enhanced with these abilities to, you know, 
to see things and to, to, to heal. Um, basically all I'm doing is I'm wiping the windows clean so that people can heal themselves. It's I'm all about empowering the individual. It's not, Oh my God, I'm so great because I died and now I can touch you and you're healed. I am all about releasing that internal ability in anybody, which is why I use frequency. Because for people who are new to the, oh, hey, by the way, you're omnipotent. (laughs) You know, some people have a hard time with that, especially if they're not really feeling good about themselves. Um, So it's really much easier to use frequency to allow them to learn how to grasp the tool because eventually they realize, oh, you're just frequency and light. So you can actually manipulate anything in the human experience and in the human form by learning how to use frequency and light. So that's what I do. That's that was the big takeaway from the the experience. And so I kind of evolved into that. And becoming a chiropractor allowed me to put legally my hands on many hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> so, mm. so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Now, when you were on the other side and you saw a 360 viewpoint of your life and you understood that everything's happening at the same time, did you happen to get glimpses of your future as well? Hmm. And have they, have you seen I know the minute that I die? Well, I mean, have you seen things that are going to happen to you 20 years from now? Mm -hmm. Hmm. So spoiler alert, we're still here. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yes. That's amazing. You know, so, um, (coughs) excuse me, I knew when this kind of freaked some people out. Like I knew when my parents would die I know, you know, my mom's still alive. She's 92. I know exactly when she goes. And you would think that that's horrible. It means that I treasure every, every second that I have with her and, um, you know, and have, we've had a ball and I, and we're still having a ball. And at 92, she's amazing and fantastic. And I'm watching her discover things, you know, because this is her legacy. Judge was her father and um, I am her daughter. And, you know, she's realized that she can do a few of these things as well. And now, you know, because my father's no longer with us, she kind of is was able to freely step out of that box, even though, you know, she was in that box with him. But she was really a daddy's girl. And the idea that her father could do these magnificent things that passed on to me, um, she realized, Hey, hang on, that had to come through me too. And so she's really at 92 begun to embrace these, you know, metaphysical aspects of her own life. Like she, she released her first book last Christmas. She's got book number two, almost done. We're going to New York city to spend Christmas day on Broadway. Like she's a a mover and shaker, you know, and it's my experience also opened her up because it was kind of like I said, when I published my first book that actually told this story, you know, my, my father was still alive and there was a lot of anxiety around the fact that they had spent time for so long, keeping this quiet, protecting me. And I was like, thank you for doing that, but I don't need that anymore. Do you know, I I appreciate you wanting to do that for me, but y'all gotta let me fly. And what you're going to find is that so many of your friends, the people that you might be worried about might judge us are going to be come out of that closet and every one of them is going to have a story. And guess what happened? Every single one of them had a paranormal story or a life after death story. And my mother has been thoroughly entertained for years by people. She loves talking about it by people sharing this aspect of who they are. And people get so caught up worrying about, oh my God, they're going to think I'm crazy. Like, I don't care who thinks I'm crazy. 
you know, I came back with the the greatest blessing of all is I literally couldn't care less what other people think about me. I am having a ball and I am, you know, just I'm in constant pursuit of, of, of experience. One of my guests shared with me that there are parts of some people who have NDEs that they never share with anybody. Is there any part of your NDE that you've never shared that I can talk you into sharing today? Not so much. You actually kind of touched on it. Um, and it's, it's like unwrapping a Christmas present for somebody. You know, I wouldn't. One of the things that in that near-death experience for a lot of people is we do know how things work out. We do know what's coming, especially within if we choose to come back into the body. So the, the remainder of this body's lifetime here on earth, you come back with a a very clear understanding of what, what it all looks like. And so we kind of are very careful or it's not even careful. You just don't. And it's kind, I have heard it so many times across the board from everybody I've shared the experience with. It's just like an unspoken. You don't. Um, That's like, if somebody goes, when am I going to die? And I'm like, are you kidding? Um, (laughs) I know, but I'm not telling you. And, you know, I wouldn't do that to somebody, nor would I say I I do sneak in because I can't help it going, you know, 20 years from now, what's happening? Yeah, we're still here. So, well, are you saying that you know how the rest of your life plays out? I do. And so part of my personal entertainment is trying to find ways to distract myself Mm. into temporarily forgetting because I really love a surprise. (laughs) And they're very few, you know, when, after I recovered and when I got married to that college sweetheart and I'm standing at the end of the aisle and my father looks at me, he goes, you know, you don't have to do this. And I looked at him and I went, I actually do. And I told my father, there's a photograph of me whispering to my dad. And I was telling my dad exactly how long I'd be married. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So do you feel like that this is a game that we're playing that, you know, you already have the answer to the game and the experience is not as profound as it should be? I'm finding my profundity in other ways. Hmm. So I liken that to, you know, when I I had COVID March 13th, Friday the 13th, 2020, Hmm. and I was the first person that any of my friends knew who got it. And so I did a, I did a Facebook live every single day of this thing. I'm like, okay, I'm still here. It's okay. You know, and I'm talking about the emotional changes because for me, COVID is, has nothing to do with a virus. It's about transformation. It's about accessing parts of yourself. I've never been as well since I had it, Hmm. you know, and I don't hide that under a bushel for anybody because we, everybody loves to focus on the long haul. Well, my long haul was amazing. I have had, because of the experiences, I've had everything known to man. I've had cancer twice. I've had a brain tumor. I have used this body on so many different occasions to experiment because I know how, I know when it goes, <laughs> so I know I'm going to come out the other side. And so because I've done that, you know, like when I contracted the Coxsackie virus, when I was bitten by a TC fly riding a camel in Northern Africa, um, I got some stuff and, you know, 
they're like latent viruses and that give like massive chronic fatigue and all sorts. And, you know, and I'm, I'm always like, yay, even, even if I feel horrible, I'm always going to be like, yay. And so it, that stuff had piled up on me. And what COVID did was I had a sustained fever for long enough that it burned all of that stuff out that I have lived with Mm. for years and years and years. It was amazing, you know? So I really did have a most incredible experience. Um, But also, you know, you have a very spiritual transformation because you're working through, um, I never had the fear of dying part of it ever. You know, that was just because I know that's not how I go. Um, So it was, it was incredible though, because it gave me a deep appreciation for the fear other people were feeling, you know, when somebody's walking into something, they don't have that same level of confidence and understanding about what death actually is then COVID becomes the mortal enemy. You know, it's like at all costs avoid death because they're terrified of death. So they're missing kind of the point of the exercise and and what COVID has to bring to them. See, some people didn't get sick. Some people sat at home and and changed their jobs to a work from home job. Mm -hmm. Some people went and cleaned out all the crap in the garage. Some people got physically sick and did a clean, you know, clean out in the body. Some people used it as a portal of exit to finish the life. So every single person had a different experience with it. That's why across the board, if it was a malicious and vicious and fatal disease, then every single person who was ever touched by it would be dead. But guess what, folks? They're not, nor will they be. And so it's that kind of stepping into that space and that confidence of, you know, a whole lot of spiritual people who would say, I believe I'm here for a purpose. And I know that I'm here until I'm finished what I'm doing here until COVID came and then they're terrified of their own shadow. So it's giving them an opportunity to actually step in, embrace and own that, which they profess to believe. And a lot of people are realizing that they didn't actually believe that it looked good, you know, sounds good on a website, but not really how they're living. And so COVID has given this amazing experience to people to be able to go and step into that, to the power. It's given a lot of other people the chance to realize, you know, boy, you're, you're in the group that's pointing the fingers and you're in the group that's being very nasty to other people who are having a different experience to you. Oh, wait a minute. This one's not fearful. And now you're mad at them because they're not afraid, Do you know? And we're seeing an awful lot of that, the divisiveness in families. I don't care what side of the fence anybody's on, but because it's so out of balance, I'm always going to fight on the side of, you know, that's what I am. I'm a professional pot star. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm always going to fight on the side where the balance, you know, we've got so much over here and then this little bitty group over here who are going, I don't want to do it. You know, I, I, I feel like I want to trust my own immune system. I feel like that I've spent my whole life being healthy and I want to make my own choice about that. And then you've got the whole of the world shutting down against them, you know, so I'm going, I'm on this side. Right. If it were the other way around, I'd be on that side. Do you see? Mm -hmm. So it's all about, it's all about creating the choice for everybody to be entitled to their own experience. But the people who are creating that are, are, have created such a sense of of fear of death. And that's really what it boils down to. It's a fear of death and loss. All right. I don't have a lot of time left, but we spoke about something before the podcast and I want to get it in real quickly. And that is you've had UFO and or ET experiences do you think that ETs are interdimensional beings that get here through like 
interdimensional yes. traveling or are they actually coming on a spaceship and flying millions of light years away? Yes. And yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Give me your opinion yes. on that quickly. Okay. So the very same way that I can have an experience where uh, let's say I'm in a, a healing session with someone and we've suddenly gone back to 1741. We're on a chronological timeline and it's playing out that something that is a blockage or, or an issue in present time for them is coming from something experienced in 1741 and is now moving forward. Or somebody who is going through a, a, a family constellation or healing the family tree type scenario where it's a chronological issue. And then you have other people like an eight-year-old kid I had in here recently who found me on a website and brought his mother here. And she's like, you know, he says he wants healing and, and I'm like, okay. And close the door and he takes his mother's hand. He's eight now takes his mother, mother's hand. And he said, mother, I just wanted you to know that um, I needed somebody to be here, not for me, but for you, but I need to tell you who I really am. And this child lays on his mother. He's 33 years old. He is the equivalent of an astrophysicist where he comes from. He came in, came in through her, explained to her why, and then looked at me and he goes, do you realize how hard this is? And I said, yeah. And he goes, these damn hands are so small. <laughs> wow. So, That's an welcome amazing. Welcome to my world. So when I say, you know, did he, he came in through a mother on a different timeline, but he's remembering and deeply connected to something that's happening simultaneously. I have seen stuff in my back garden that would curl your nose hairs. Do you know, um, I live in a very hot spot. And of course, you know, as, as they continue to clutter the skies with sky links and all sorts of, of stuff, you know, it's, it's more difficult to, for people to discern a, an original experience, but I've seen so much stuff that you like, you couldn't shake a stick, but I have actually had those beings I've had two, you know, I have a very deep connection, um, with, uh, with the Arcturian realm. Okay. And that's very, very important to me. And I was very sick at one stage. Um, and I had two beings come in. They, I mean, physically in my room and they were roughly seven foot ish. So if you guys, if you can picture Tony Robbins, you know, the motivational speaker. So imagine him hairless and blue like periwinkle, that same head, you know, that same, that was them. And they were able to take me to a place that was here in this realm where I was able to exit and leave my physical body and land somewhere else. So they could show me something that was going to assist me in my own healing. And it was in a, at a waterfall in a, in a place in Micronesia. And it was to find this particular plant, um, that, you know, in, in layman's terms, we call cat whiskers and cat whiskers was to detox the issue that I had going on in my body. And it did just like that. I healed myself with what they came and told me. Mm -hmm. So like I have had extensive experience with interdimensional beings. My grandfather judge who I talk to all the time. And I mean, all the time. Um, he came a couple of years ago. I was in bed. I had legionnaires disease i told you i've had literally everything and because of the fact that i've traveled so much he brought a group of beings that were not yet incarnate incarnate here 
and standing next to my bedside to talk them through my illness. Well, I had a friend visiting who happened to walk in on it. So I wasn't the only one who saw it. And I've had some just, you know, just amazing experiences like that. But to me, they're just normal. And it's, you know, for some people, they might have one of those. I'm like one a day um, because I'm completely aware that that world exists. It's not the, it's not the stuff of fantasy. Right. I need to get you back for a part two because there's just so much more we so can talk about. Stuff, huh? <laughs> so much stuff. On that note, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and talk to you and ask you questions. Are you open sure. to stuff like that? And if so, how yeah. can they reach out to you? It's MaryHelenHensley.com. Okay. Simple as that. And all 10 of your books are there? And most of my stuff is there because I've actually got two that are in process at the moment. So, uh, but yeah, there's, there's enough stuff there. And my audio book, which people might find interesting because of the work I do in frequency, it's the very first book on Audible that is backed by these healing frequencies. So when somebody is listening to the story, there are altered brainwave states and healing frequencies that are behind there that if someone's connecting to the subject matter of the story, they actually have the chance to have an immersive healing experience when they're listening to the book. It's really cool. It's never been done. Um, So it's just like awesome. Mm. And that's on there. It's called Understanding is the New Healing. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? You already are that which you seek. That's a great message. And thank you so much, Dr. Hensley, for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you so much, Jeff. I look forward to talking to you again. Me too. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.